What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Giants Nation podcast. Um, so, um, so listen up. Um, I decided to come back on here uh, just because a lot of you guys wanted me to um, explain, you know, um, how common is it for rookie corner NFL cornerbacks to play well. You know, um, I had to talk about this because I'm a defensive guy, and I love defense. I'm always going to love defense, you know. Until the day I die, I am always going to love defense, you know. To answer this question and topic, look it, unfortunately, it's more the exception than the norm. And what I mean by that is this. Aside from the buzz about Darren Waller and now Jalen Hyatt in training camp, there's probably no topic of greater interest among Giants fans than um, the team's two cornerback draftees, Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins III. Deontay, you know, that, that Deontay Banks would draw attention is no surprise, you know, being a first-round pick. Trey Hawkins, on the other hand, was an afterthought, a six-round pick, who a lot of people, including myself, had, you know, to look up, you know, when his name was announced. But this kid, Trey Hawkins III, this kid has surprised me with excellent play this far. You know, the, the, the development of Deontay Bakes and Trey Hawkins III matters a lot for the Giants' playoff hopes in 2023. You know, at the moment, the Giants have exactly one cornerback who is not a question mark, Adoree Jackson. Aaron Robinson should have established himself by now, but he has been injured for much of his Giants career. Cordell Flatt and Rodarius, uh, Rodarius Williams made some nice plays as rookies, but didn't play enough to know what their ceilings are. After three seasons, Darnay Holmes is not the answer. You know... And that right there, that's a problem for the Giants' 2023 ambitions. You know, um, I, I was, you know, I went on my laptop and I was looking at the Pro Football Focus team pass rush, um, team pass rush uh, versus uh, pass coverage grades for the 2022 season. I've identified the 2022 season playoff team. There is a weak positive, you know, correlation between pass rush and pass coverage proficiency. You know, this is not surprising because good coverage allows the pass rush to get home more often than a good pass rush forces the quarterback to throw before his receivers get open. The clear message from the figure, though, is that if you want to be in the playoffs, it behooves you to, you know, behooves you to be good at both. 12 of the 14 playoff teams were at least average in both pass rush and uh, pass coverage. And half of them were about above average in both. Only two teams managed to make the playoff despite subpar pass coverage. The Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. Who had the next to worst overall pass coverage in the NFL. Look, considering that... The Giants' offense was not exactly unstoppable in 2022. It's amazing that the Giants made the playoffs with poor pass coverage and only an average pass rush. You know, uh, Pro Football Focus grades 
only evaluate individual player performance. The uh, player performance, though. So the fact that the Giants managed to be 17th in the NFL in points allowed and a testament to how the Wink Martindale defense confuses opponents and keeps them out of the end zone more often than the talent would uh, dictate. Of course, Adore Jackson missed half of the season after Brian Dayball's worst decision as head coach. And um, uh, Aaron Robinson missed almost the entire season after two separate injuries. Maybe if they play a full season, the Giants' coverage grades would have been better. It would be nice, though, if Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins earned serious playing time in 2023. Because I see a lot of potential in both of these young guys. You know, I think the question we should be asking ourselves is this. What can the Giants really expect from from both of these rookies this season, though? Fans expect, you know, every fan, either your Giants fan or any, any other fan in the NFC East or... In, and in any other division, either that's in the either that's in the NFC or in the AFC, fans expect first round uh, picks to excel, despite the fact that historically only about half of all first rounders become great players. Furthermore, the hit or miss ratio has decreased in recent years. Once you get down to the lower part of the first round, as evidenced by the number of fifth year options. That teams picked up, you know, six round picks are always considering six round picks are always considered long shots to succeed, which is true, which is true of players at any position drafted that uh, that late. You know, add to the fact that cornerback is one of the most difficult positions to play, you know, today's NFL with rule changes over the past several decades that increasingly favor receivers and quarterbacks. The rules that corner, the rules that cornerbacks or defensive backs facing the NFL are more, you know, I would say uh, draconian than uh, those they experienced in college where they made the plays that got them drafted. You know, I mean, here's our two examples. Contact with receivers in college is allowed anywhere as long as the pass rush has not yet been thrown. In the NFL, contact is restricted to within five yards of the line scrimmage. Defense, you know, defensive pass interference in the NFL results in an automatic first down at the spot of the foul. In college, that is only true if the foul is is uh, within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. A foul beyond that distance, you know, distance results in a 15-yard penalty and automatic first down. So, cornerbacks entering the NFL having to adjust to a game that is tilted more against them. It's reasonable to expect an adjust, you know, an adjustment period. I think the next thing we should be asking ourselves is this: How many elite cornerbacks are there in the NFL? In 2022, 210 cornerbacks played at least 10 snaps in coverage, and 67 played 50% or more of a typical team's coverage snaps. A grand total of seven of them scored 80 or higher in coverage. Pro Football Focus's threshold for elite play. You know that, like that's the that that's the grand total of seven of them scored eighty or higher in coverage. You know that's what PFF basically saying. Another ten had a very good uh, had another ten had a very good coverage score, uh, which is seventy five to eight. P, you know, profile uh, PFF score. Look at Pro Football Focus's scores are subjective, but there aren't many names. I. You know, I'd, uh, I'd quibble with on this list 
you can look at some of the hard numbers to convince yourselves uh, that the um, PFF grading is not far off. Most of the players on this list allowed receptions at a rate below or close to 60%. Limited yards after catch, you know, limited yards after catch to about 200 or less. And we're, you know, and we're in or close to double digits and force incompletions, you know, or another way, or in other words, pass breakups, quarterback throwaways, etc. All of them had an NFL pass rating against below 100. The 2022 season was not an anomaly either. In 2021, there were also seven elite cornerbacks, and in 2020, only five. In 2021, there were 12 or more in the you know in the very good category, and in 2020, there were 10 more. In other words, the NFL only, you know, the NFL has only a handful of truly elite cornerbacks in any given year, and roughly half the teams in the league are fortunate enough to have even one cornerback who's at least very good. Odori Jackson doesn't get all, you know, he doesn't get all that much love from Giants fans, probably because he rarely intercepts passes, but he's a pretty good cornerback, you know. Here are his six NFL seasons. You know, throughout 2020, when he was injured and only got 131 coverage snaps, in his five, in his five other seasons, he's been elite twice, including his first season as a Giant and, you know, and very... Um, very good one other time as a giant he you know as a New York Giant Dory Jackson has had a sub six has had a sub minus 60% completion uh, rate against you know that's that's pretty low for yards after catch you know he's only allowed only two he's only allowed two touchdowns in each session and a sub uh, minus 90 NFL passer rating um, against Dory Jackson's first season in Wink Marindo's defense wasn't as good as his season under uh, Patrick Graham, but that may be the product of switching from mostly zone to mostly man coverage. You know, um, uh, so my, but most of that may be the product of switching from mostly zone to mostly man coverage. You know, um. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this. Um, oh, wait, no. Arjun Menon and uh, Judah Fortgang did a study for Pro Football Focus last year on the rates of successful coverage, you know, su- uh, successful coverage snaps with zero or positive PFF grades. Now, this is the distribution of success rate for man and zone coverage league-wide. You know, at its, at its best, man coverage gives the higher success rate. But on average, it succeeds less often than a zone and has a broader distribution of outcomes. This is why the Giants need, you know, need to uh, find one, if not two cornerbacks who are comfortable in man to, accom- you know, to accompany Adoree Jackson and extend Adoree Jackson's contract. Not a popular opinion. That's not a popular opinion of mine, but there I said it. I think the next thing we should be asking ourselves is this. How do rookie cornerbacks perform in the NFL? Last season, 43 rookies played at least 10 coverage snaps at cornerback in the NFL. Only 10 of them played even half of a typical, you know, team's coverage snaps. There was, I believe there was, I believe there was only one elite uh, rookie cornerback in the NFL last season, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. You know, out of 43 who took the field for a, for even 10 snaps, 
Never mind the others who took less than that or didn't see the field at all. And Ahmad Sauce Gardner wasn't even the first cornerback taken. You know, that would be Derek Stingley Jr. who played fewer than half half of the snaps and had a 49.9 uh, PFF grade. Things get only a little better if we include those with very good coverage grades. Tariq Woolen, Trent McDuffie, and Martin Emerson Jr. And that's the problem. You know, in the euphoria of summer, Giants fans look at Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins III and want to imagine them being this year's Sauce and uh, Tariq, uh, this year's Amon Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen. The odds of that happening are extremely small. The question now, if you're going to ask me how small, well, let's look at the t- let's look at the 2021 rookie draft class. Not a single elite player I could find in uh, the 2021 draft class when it comes to cornerbacks. Not one, you know, and only you know, there's not a single elite player there, and not and only one very good cornerback among 12 that got regular cover snaps. Not convinced yet? Well, let's go back one more year to the 2020 rookie class, uh, rookie draft class. Not only, you know, not only no elite, not only was there no elite rookie play, there was no very good rookie play either. In fact, not even a single one with an above average coverage rate, coverage rate, which is 70 or higher. Giants fans, listen, it's your guy. It's me. I'm a Giants fan myself. I'm sorry that the Giants... Look, I'm sorry. Look, it was tough. You know, because the Giants were in a tough situation. Joe Shane was in his first year. You know, it was like... We had we had to do something. Look, at, we needed a pass rusher. You know, but we also needed, needed a cornerback. And that's what Joe Shane did. He got Deontay Banks. Now, I, am I going to ever say Deontay... Is Deontay Banks going to ever... Be an Amon Sauce Gardner? I don't know, and that's a good answer because you can't say that he's bad because you can't say he's bad. You can't say he's bad. You know, everyone heard what I said when this kid got drafted. Everyone heard what I said when we drafted this kid, twenty fourth overall. I, I mean, I had this guy in my mock draft. I, I would not, I would not mind him going to the Giants because we needed to attack the secondary because we were we were struggling in the secondary you know this kid he 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 put he had he put he plays the same I think if okay let's do a compare contrast I think the one thing that's very comparable between these two is that they both play very aggressive physical uh press man coverage you know, that's what I think. That's the similarities between Amaltos Gardner and Deontay Banks. They're very, they like to press opposing wide receivers. They're very physical. They like to get their hands on you. You know, look at. Even though, like, look at. Even though we look at. Even though we messed up. Even though we didn't draft Sauce Gardner, Amaltos Gardner. And I know there are some Giants, some Giants fans out there who wanted this kid. But the Jets were in a better position than the Giants were. You know, they just were. You know, the Jets were in a far better position than the Giants were. 
you know, because Dave Gutterman screwed it all up. You know, we didn't, the Jets had the better offensive line. They had the better receiving core. You know, the Giants were in a mess, you know. And look, I'm sorry that the Jets took Sauce Gardner before the Giants could grab him. If indeed they would have. Unfortunately, you know, Amon Sauce Gardner, he's a bit of a unicorn. You have to go back to, go back to, two, you have to go back to 2018 to find, an, and uh, you know, to find another elite rookie cornerback. Denzel Ward. The odds are very slim. On the other hand, you do get the occasional year like 2017 when three draftees scored above 80. Tredavious White, Marshawn Lattimore, and Desmond King II. You know, Desmond King II, I mean, yeah. He graded an 86. You guys are probably going to question why I I named him. The guy graded an 86. He he graded 86.6 as a rookie. Then 91.1 as a sophomore. Since then, his coverage grades have been 69.6, 60.9, 47.7, and 71.8. That's the other thing about cornerback. It's less predictable from year to year than many other positions. The same is true for Denzel Ward. After a terrific rookie season in which he graded 83.6, he has fallen back to just good. Very good or average in, in you know in subsequent uh, seasons. Seven, you know, he was great at 72, uh, 72.7, 74.6, 75.9, 60.4. Although that last grade was probably affected by time he missed with the concussion. Tredavious White, his 89.8 coverage grade as a rookie has been followed by se- by seasons of 62.5. 76.0, 77.9, 69.0, and 61.3. And Marshawn Lattimore, 89.8 as a rookie, followed by 71.7, What I'm basically trying to say is this. Cornerback is just a difficult position to play well in the NFL on a consistent basis. That can be a good thing, though, because the trend can go the other way. Some cornerbacks are bad or mediocre when they enter the league and improve. Consider the second-ranked cornerback of 2022, which uh, is Patrick Sertan II. Patrick Sertan was welcomed to the NFL in his first game by a Sterling Shepard touchdown. He had a mediocre rookie season. Then the light, be- then the light came on. In, you know, then the light came on in year two. Look, and maybe it was the switch from Vic Vangio to you know. Ijaro Evero as defensive coordinator in year two. Maybe though it takes some. Maybe maybe though it takes some players a year to adjust to the NFL. You know that's what I, and, and that right there. That's the thing I'm trying to say. When and this is why I don't listen to analysts all the time because analysts a lot of, most most analysts they like to assume oh since you know let's use quarterbacks for an example. You know, because we all know when a top when, when a top five, when a quarterback is drafted in the top five and he's coming out of a big college, let's say uh, let's say um, Michigan. I hate I hate saying Michigan because you guys know I'm a Buckeye too. But let's say Michigan. Michigan is a Michigan's a top school in college. You know, and a lot of people, analysts I'm including, they like to assume that these kids that get drafted from these top colleges show great highlights that are going viral 
and they assume that they're get, they assume that when they get drafted top five, well, this kid's gonna be great. No. When you get drafted in the NFL, you're nothing special. You're just a rookie. You're just another. You're just another player. You're not. You're nothing special. I said this before. I said this. I said this before. I'm gonna say it again. You know, you're nothing special. You're nothing special. You are. You are literally the same player. That you're literally the same guy on on the entire team. You're just a guy. You're not the guy. You're not, you know, you're not the best. Because you're not. Bryce Young's going to struggle, even though Bryce Young had a great year in Alabama. C.J. Stroud's going to struggle, even though C.J. Stroud had a great year in Ohio State. Will Levis will struggle, even though there's a lot of good talk about him from Kentucky. Court, it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter how great you are in college. It doesn't matter. All the great quarterbacks have struggled. Ben Roethlisberger struggled. Tom Brady struggled. Brett Favre struggled. Peyton Manning struggled. Eli struggled. They all struggled. Dan Marino. You name them. Doesn't matter how great you are as a rookie. You're going to struggle in the NFL because the pros are higher than, than, the, than, uh, than the college. You know, the pros are tougher to play than in college. You're not going against kids. You're going against grown men who are looking to kill you for that football. But they're trying to, they're trying to uh, rate, they're trying to build a foundation for themselves and their families if they have one. You know, that's all I'm. Saying. That's what I'm basically trying to say. You know. On the other hand, look at. Maybe it means nothing. Take the strange career of Patrick Peterson. He had at, Patrick Peterson had an awful 47.5 rookie coverage grade. Then went on. Then went on to years with 77.8 and 80.0, establishing him as one of the best corners in the game. Since then, he, you know, he has had other elite years, 80.9, 80.1, 83.7, but also mediocre to poor years, 62.4, 68.4, 64.3, 51.0. His NFL pass rating against has been as low as 61.8 and as high as 104.6. He left for Minnesota after 10 seasons and put up a 61.0 grade in 2021. It seemed like he was done as an elite cornerback. Then in 2022, he rebounded to 82.5. So I think, I think, I think what this, what all this means for Deontay Bakes and Trey Hawkins, the third, is this. Recent history says that the hit rate for cornerbacks drafted on day one or day two is much lower than we'd imagine. That being said, most cornerbacks who do make it in the NFL were drafted on day one or day two. Of the 17 cornerbacks whose coverage grade was 75 or higher in 2022, the only ones who were drafted later uh, than day two are uh, Tariq Wollin, who was drafted in round five, DJ Reed, who was also drafted in round five, and Traverius Ward who is an undrafted free agent. Thus, Trey Hawkins is highly unlikely to become the next Tariq Willen. If Look at if, if what Trey Hawkins is, if what this kid is showing in practice, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Trey Hawkins. If, if he, if what he has shown in practices this far translate to games and he can become, and he can become even a solid NFL quarterback. 
that in itself will be a major draft victory for Joe Shane. More is expected of Deontay Banks, of course, you know, expecting him to become a star, especially as a rookie, though it's unrealistic. Fan, look at, that's the only thing fans can hope for, you know, fans can hope for that, but the odds are scary. Of the four cornerbacks drafted in round one in 2022, Amon South Garner was off the charts, and Trent McDuffie played well after missing the first part of the season. Derek Stingley Jr. had a subpar rookie year. However, as did uh, uh, Kair Elon, chosen at number 23. Going back to 2020, no cornerbacks were drafted in the first round in 2021. AJ Terrell didn't excel to, you know, until his second season, I believe, you know, and regressed in his third season. Jeff, uh, Jeff Okuda, the number three overall pick, has never worked out, nor have the number nine pick. CJ Henderson, the number 19th pick. Um, uh, Damon, Ar- uh, Damon Arnett, the number 30th pick. You know, um, Noah, um, I can't say his last name. Noah Ig- uh, Igabogini, <sighs> hopefully I said his last name right. Um, uh, he, he's, a, he's a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Or the now decreased number number thirty one overall pick, uh, Jeff Gladney. Corner. The, what I'm basically trying to say is this: cornerback is one of the toughest positions to play in the NFL, and the results are less repeatable, commutier than they are for most other positions. Joe Shane did the right thing by drafting two of them this year. He should probably continue to draft at least one every year. You know, it will be great if the look at. It will be great if Deontay Banks earns a starting role this season, which I have no doubt he will. You know, even if he has the growing, even if he has growing pains, you know, it will be it will be great. It will be amazing if Trey Hawkins does as well. If neither one does, though, it won't be that much of a of a surprise, and it won't necessarily be in you know, in I'll say. And dictative of the future. You know why? Because they're rookies. You know, I mean, I I said I said the same thing uh, going into the season. Deontay Banks is a rookie. He's gonna struggle. Same thing for Trey Hawkins. But but watch going into his second season. Watch this kid ball out because this isn't a this isn't a Dave Gunnerman guy. This is a Joe Shane guy. Joe Shane, where he came from. He came from Buffalo. And look at all the cornerbacks in Buffalo. They're very dominant. You got Tredavious White. You got Kyrie uh, Elam. Two dominant cornerbacks. Can we all say that, hey, does Joe Shane have his Tredavious White and Kyrie Elam and Trey Hawkins the third and Deontay Banks? We're going to have to find out. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, I appreciate the topic or question. Um, let me know how do you guys feel about my long statement, my long 26, 27-minute statement. Um, you know, we're going to see. I'm excited. Um, but I believe I believe uh, good days are headed for these two uh, young stars. You know, and... We're going to find out tomorrow night, you know, so I'm excited, but that's all I got to say about that. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, um, but so far, that's all I have for you guys today. Appreciate the question or topic. Um, yeah, um, 
So yeah, that's all I got. That's all I gotta say about that. Um, I will keep you guys updated for more news about the New York Giants. More new, uh, more lists if I have any, or if any questions you guys want to give me. You guys already, you, uh, everyone already knows. Everyone already knows what to do. So I'm not gonna repeat myself. So yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. But until then, I'm out. Peace.